the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Some say 5-4, some say 6-3. New York Times headline 6-3, the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade, for the intellectually honest, including pro-choice who are intellectually honest, was a terrible law and caused horrible divisions in this country. Major moral questions, not legal questions, but major moral questions in general should be decided by the people. It is a fascinating aspect of all of this that the left, i.e. the Democrats, constantly tell us that democracy is threatened. Why why wasn't democracy threatened when Roe v. Wade was enacted by... Five people. What was the decision in Roe v. Wade? You want to take a look? Seven, two. It was seven two. Yeah. Seven people, right? Why wasn't Why wasn't democracy overturned with that decision? Let the people decide on such major moral issues. The Constitution has nothing to say about abortion. I don't think it. The Constitution is against abortion necessarily. If. Uh, the protection of of human life, which is uh, is, is that specif- specified in the Constitution, or is that just the in the Declaration of Independence? But I don't think it's in in the Constitution. It's taken for granted, obviously. But I I I wouldn't argue that the Constitution says that uh, uh, abortion is unconstitutional. And I wouldn't argue that it's constitutional. It, it is a moral question that we have states. That's the whole purpose of states, to have a moral laboratory, a political laboratory, a social laboratory. And hopefully people of goodwill can look and see, gee, this state seems to have gotten it right. This, same, this state seems not to have gotten it right. Abortion is not banned on any federal level. The biggest states in the country, outside of, well, some of the biggest states, certainly the biggest state, California, will not only continue to have abortion on demand, you're nine months pregnant and you want an abortion, please come right in. In fact, we'll, we'll support you financially. And anybody who would like one anywhere in the country, please come to California or please come to New York and get an abortion. Undoubtedly, there will be funds from left-wing groups that will even give women, yes, women get pregnant, not men, will even give women who uh, do not want 
to give birth and to want to have an abortion and for whatever reason refuse to give the child up for adoption, uh, the means with which to travel to another state and get her abortion. So why is there so much screaming? What did AOC do? She went in front of the Supreme Court and said, to the streets, to the streets. Truly a nihilistic individual. Why is, I think it's very important, as much as the abortion issue is important, I think it's important to analyze the reasons for the passion of both sides. In order to assess what is happening, you need to understand both sides. So the the pro-life side is, is pretty is pretty clear. People on the pro-life side believe that from conception you have a human life. The irony here, if it is indeed ironic, is that they have science on their side. What is it from conception if not a human being? Now you can say, if you will, and I have some understanding of this, that over time it becomes fully human, if you will. It is at least a nascent human upon conception. I'm not going to get into the theology and I'm not going to get into the science. Well, I did get into the science. I think it would be a major victory if states said, look, uh, as they do in France, look, we're against abortion. You know, we have the most lenient laws in the world in the United States. I think Japan is the only one with as lenient a law. We We should play the video of what it's like in other countries. Let's let's get that up, Sean. Get the PragerU video. So Alan will send it to you. You you have most Americans have no idea how different America is from virtually every other country in the world. Certainly, the much praised Western European countries, even Scandinavian countries. The idea that w- with no hesitation, you on the part of society, a, a woman can get an abortion when what she is carrying, the fetus, if you will, the baby, if you will, uh, is, is truly human. I mean, th- there's no disputing that with the brainwaves, the heartbeat, the breathing, etc., that we have here a human. It, it happens to be contained in, a, in the body of a woman, but I don't know why that changes its status. Play play some of this. I want you to understand how Roe v. Wade made America uniquely either good or bad, depending on your position, but whatever your position, unique. American progressives look to Western Europe as the model of what America should be. So... Here's an area of European social policy that progressives will definitely want to examine more closely. Europe's attitude toward abortion. It happens to be much more restrictive than that of the United States. That's right. Western Europeans, as progressive and secular as they are, have a much more conservative attitude about abortion than American progressives do. 
Here is what Emily Matcher wrote in the Atlantic magazine in 2013. Quote, I assumed that Western Europe would be the land of abortion on demand, but as it turns out, abortion laws in Europe are both more restrictive and more complicated than that. Waiting periods, decried by American pro-choicers as unreasonably burdensome, are common. Close quote. In Germany, for example, nearly all abortions are illegal after 12 weeks. And there's a three-day waiting period and mandatory counseling before a woman is allowed to have an abortion, even during the permitted first 12 weeks. That's more restrictive than Texas. In the U.S., abortions are legal in every state before a pregnancy has reached its 20th week. After that, some restrictions do kick in. Eleven states prohibit abortion after the 20th week of pregnancy. Twenty states prohibit abortions at the point of viability, which is when a baby can survive outside the womb. They usually recognize that as being 23 to 25 weeks. Three states prohibit abortion after the 28th week, and seven states plus Washington, D.C., allow abortions to be performed at any point in a pregnancy, even if the mother could safely give birth to a viable and healthy baby. But in Belgium, like Germany, abortions are permissible only until the 12th week. After that, an abortion is permitted only if the woman's life is in danger. Furthermore, any woman getting an abortion must wait six days after her first medical consultation before an abortion can be performed. Denmark is similar. After 12 weeks, all sorts of restrictions apply. Pregnant women in Finland also have until the 12th week of pregnancy to get an unrestricted abortion, and during those first 12 weeks, a woman must provide a compelling reason for ending her pregnancy. In France, too, Abortion on demand is legal only up to 12 All right, weeks. so let's leave it at that. It gives you an idea. All, all, all of these so-called socialist countries, this was made, how many years ago was this video made? Five years ago? Alicia Krauss did a fine job. 2016, so I'm close, six years ago. They all recognize that this is a, a, a morally problematic act to end the life of a viable child, fetus, whatever you wish to call it. Only the United States in the Western world has said, no, there is no. I don't know what the Canadian law is. I'd be very interested. But compared to Western Europe, America was the most radical in saying that so long as a baby is in a womb, it has no right to to life. It's a pretty radical statement. I don't know why that is not clear to the most pro-choice, honest person. So I, I began by saying, let's analyze what animates the two sides. I will continue. I spoke of the pro-life. We'll go to the pro-choice. Rising interest rates, stock volatility, out-of-control inflation. People are concerned about what the future holds financially. This is Dennis Prager for AmFed Coin and Bullion. There's no better time than the present to move a portion of your IRA into precious metals. Gold and silver IRAs are more popular than ever, and dealers are advertising heavily for your business. You should know there's a right and a wrong way to set up your precious metals IRA. Mistakes could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars in IRS fines. Nick Grove 
Ivanovich, man I completely trust, owner of Amfed Coin and Bullion, has agreed to send you a concise report about how to set up your IRA and how to get the best bang for your buck. Nick and his team will be happy to help you set up your precious metals IRA or review your current account. Call Amfed Coin and Bullion, 800-221-7694 for your free IRA report and all your precious metals needs. AmericanFederal.com. That's AmericanFederal.com. Almost nobody deals with this question. Why the fanatical commitment to zero restrictions on abortion? It's not an easy question to answer, but it's never posed. It's like taken for granted. You're either pro-life or pro-choice. So if you're pro-life, you you believe that taking the life of the unborn, except to save the life of a mother, which virtually is never the instance in modern medicine, uh, is is wrong because it has a right to life. That's why it's called right to life, that that creature has a right to life. Okay, you can differ with that. It is not an incoherent position. It is not an incoherent position that immediately upon conception, we don't have the same thing. I I believe that it's life from conception. But it is not incoherent to say that a zygote is not the same thing as a baby. Okay, that's not incoherent either. It is incoherent to say you can take the life of what is clearly a human being. That has no coherence. And it is very important in understanding what has happened to ask the question and then try to answer it. Why, even when it is incontrovertibly a human life, do pro-choice people believe that there could be no societal inhibiting of abortion? None whatsoever. The child is completely viable. If a C-section were to take place, you would have a perfectly healthy baby. That baby can be killed, and any statement to the contrary suppresses women's rights. That is the position of the pro-choice community. And that's not coherent. That's not morally or logically coherent. So why is there such a fanatical devotion to unlimited rights to kill viable babies. I'm not talking even first trimester. I'm talking about where we have an obvious moral dilemma. A baby is involved. A baby. So that's an, that is a very interesting and important question to answer. Why the fanatical commitment to the right to kill a baby? You cannot deny it's a baby when it has heartbeat, brain waves, and and certainly when it could be viable outside of the woman's womb. That's that is a, a level of moral fanaticism that needs to be analyzed. In that regard, I I would ask all of you to watch and show to others my video at PragerU on abortion. It, is, it doesn't talk one sentence 
about legality. It only talks about the morality of abortion. I have always felt that that was the far more powerful way to address the issue for people who have misgivings about the taking of a baby's life. And it begins with the question, is it a baby? When it is viable, is it a baby? I think that if you can still talk, and I hope you can, to pro-choice relatives and friends, just ask them, at what point in pregnancy would you say it is a baby? Or is it never a baby? Does baby mean outside of a woman's body? Is that the new definition of the word baby? That until then, or even human, at better than the word baby, ask your pro-choice friend or relative, at what point do you believe it is a human being? Is it only a human being when it is outside of the womb? That is illogical. You don't need God. You don't need... For this issue, you can just argue reason. For many pro, pro, pro-life people, obviously God is, a, is the dominant factor. I respect that. But in making the argument, there is no necessity to utilize the God issue. Just ask. Since we, we all think we agree at least, we don't agree on almost anything left and right, but I think we agree on what is a human being. Why is a human being not a human being if it's inside a woman's womb, inside the uterus? I have never gotten a response to that because there is no response to that. A woman can do what she wants with her own body is the response. The people who say it are not being intellectually honest. It is not her body. It is another body. So that argument is bizarre. Leave your hands off our bodies. This is a common cry of the pro-choice folks. The irony is that too makes no sense. We don't want any hands on your body. The pro-life people, their whole argument is, leave her alone. But, as I say on all left-wing issues, coherence, moral or otherwise, is not a a criterion for taking a left-wing position. So I return to my original question, what animates the pro-life crowd? I think there, there are far deeper issues involved here. Since there is no intellectual or moral coherence to the position that it's not a human being in, let's say, the seventh month. That is not logical or scientific or anything. I think one, one aspect, excuse me, of the issue is people on the left do not like to be told that anything that they want is not moral. They are not used to it. They have never been told it. They have been told their whole lives, however you feel is moral. That is a a defining element to all left-wing positions. 
I feel men give birth, ergo men give birth. That, that's, that's all that matters. How do you feel is the measure of right and wrong. We continue. The Dennis Prager Show. Towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. They feel soft and lotiony in the store, but you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at My Pillow found that out around 2006, and towels changed forever. He found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. And that happens to be true. I use them. They are all made with USA cotton, and they come with the MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. Six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, two washcloths. Regularly $109.99, now $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the new radio listener specials and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels, by entering the promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 for these great radio specials. MyPillow.com, promo code Prager. Hi, everybody. question that is almost never addressed is what is the motive behind the passion to unrestricted allowance in our society of taking the life of a baby, a viable baby. Therefore, I I am even leaving aside those months wherein it is not viable on its own, the baby. Okay? I'm taking their the extreme nature of their position that no one can deny. So they'll say, in the beginning, it is not a fully human or not a human. Not I'm not going to even debate that issue, even though science says it's a human. Why the passion to allow the killing of a baby that was voluntarily produced? The vast majority of cases does not involve, correct, a rape. That's, that's very important. So the, the woman got pregnant voluntarily. Now, she may have not wanted to get pregnant, but she, it was not forced upon her. She entered intercourse with a male voluntarily. So that is part of the answer, I think. For on the left, you cannot tell a woman you are wrong. You can tell and must tell men they are wrong constantly. But the idea that a woman can be morally wrong is vile to folks on the left. There is nothing higher than you and your desires in this matter. There is no morality higher than what you think is right for you. Moral is moral for you. That's what is at the heart of this issue. It is the radical secularization of society expressing itself. You 
are not bound to any any moral code that you differ with because all morality is personal opinion that my dear listeners that is the fundamental issue here there is finally a time that has occurred that says to the radically secularized and the the, the radical notion of I determine what is right and wrong, society has no say. It has finally confronted that attitude. This this is why the screams are so loud. For AOC, what she believes is right is right. The entire left has always felt that way on any issue that they hold. We are bound to no code. We are the authors of right and wrong. That's the issue at, at, at its heart. Given that it is incontrovertible that at a certain time of pregnancy, we have a full human being involved. That is undeniable. The idea that it is worthless pimple until it's born, is an absurdity. It is in the league of men give birth and defund the police. It's an absurdity. It's not a human till it's born. It's absurd. An atheist can understand it's absurd. There are atheists who do. That is the reason for the passion and the anger. Who the hell is society to tell me that there is a right and wrong beyond my wishes? It is a radical narcissism at the heart of the fanaticism of the right to kill a viable baby. I am not even addressing the first months. Where it is incontrovertible, you have a human being is what I am addressing. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch. I didn't know what I was getting. I was testing it out to see if I could endorse this company. Am I going to drop calls, have slow internet, Well, I can tell you firsthand, the 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. If you've been sitting on the fence, time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Just dial pound 250 and say Dennis Prager, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. With Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you won't regret this. Dial pound 250 and say Dennis Prager. Sign up and save an additional 50% your first month. That's right. Even, 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 even. When there is a decision, we have, we have, we have the happy, happy, happy hour, the happy hour. 
Even when Roe v. Wade is overturned, we still have the happy hour. It's the happy, 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 happy hour. Yes, it is, my friends. I have never canceled the happiness hour, not after 9-11. And certainly not today. I won't even mention the name of a colleague of mine who suggested maybe we won't do the happiness hour today. Everybody's looking around. Who might it have been? I'll give you a hint. (laughs) That was very funny, Rick. Rick pointed at the culprit. But I won't say who it is. Oh, we were giving... Well, he's proud of it. Well, my friends, I discussed the uh, verdict, obviously. The whole first hour, we'll certainly have some calls on it the next hour. Uh, And the happiness hour is never deferred. It is just the rule of this program. Is, it, is there a conceivable time if there were nuclear war, would I cancel the hour? Oh, I'll come to it when there's a nuclear war. I consider happiness to be an extremely important subject. The happy make the world better, the unhappy make it worse. There are happy and unhappy liberals, happy and unhappy conservatives. There are no happy leftists. Unhappiness is a major source of the nihilism of our time, the screaming, the the hysteria. The non-hysteric is a happier person. I'm a happier person because I had contempt for the lockdowns from month two. I didn't listen to them from the second week. I gathered with my bunch of 15 friends every Friday night for Shabbat dinner from the second week of the lockdown. When you don't buy into hysteria, you're a happier human being. When you are easily frightened and easily panicked, you are not a happy human being. It seems to be easier to be a sheep, but the sheep of the human species are not happier. So, some strong views on the happiness issue. Hence, the happiness hour for now 23 years. I'm on probably between 48 and 50 Fridays a year. Probably, what do you think? How many Fridays do I miss? Four, you think? Fewer? I try not to miss Fridays because of the happiness hour. Anyway, it's virtually every Friday of the year. Because I, I think of it as a service to you. The truth is, it's been a service to me. I have learned an immense, an immense amount from you on the issue of happiness. And it has been very good for me during difficult times in my life. Everybody has difficult times in their life. I don't know of an exception to that rule. I am not an exception to that rule. But I have tried to live by my advice, 
my plea that people act happy even if they don't feel it. It's good for you and it's good for others. We have a moral obligation to have a happy countenance. We owe it to others, not to inflict our bad moods, just as we don't inflict our bad breath on other people. That's the reason there is no even consideration of discussing the dominant news item of today with the Roe v. Wade overturned decision of the Supreme Court. We'll do it plenty, I assure you, but not on the happiness hour. However, I will address today a very tough issue for which I don't have great answers, but I want to address it anyway. I try to have great answers on most problems confronting, most challenges confronting your happiness, my happiness, anyone's happiness. But the subject that I have chosen for today may not have a terrific answer. It may have some non-terrific answers, and that's what at least that might be of some help. And that is, how do you maintain a happy family and happy friendship where you differ on moral, social, slash political issues. That's a toughie. I'm not sure that there is even an answer, which is why it's so tough. And I feel a little bad because I do, in fact, try to give you answers to most of the questions that arise with regard to happiness but I'm not sure I can do that in this regard. Many of you listening to me right now have an adult child alienated from you because of politics. Or or really, it's not even politics. I find that a cheapening word. Because of social issues or differences with regard to social and moral issues. Take the, take the one that is in the news, the Roe v. Wade issue. Let us say you believe that abortion is immoral because there is a human being in, the, in a woman's womb, and your child, having gone to Yale, believes that what a woman has in her womb, if she considers it to be a pimple, it's just a pimple. That is their position. I debated this, I'll never forget, with a pro-choice person decades ago. And he finally said, yes, okay, I, I, I will state my position. To me, the fetus is a pimple. And I remember thinking, I'm, I'm finally confronted a, an, a truly intellectually honest pro-choice person. The reduction of the the human in the womb to a pimple is what we've talked about. I'm not going to talk. Don't call in about abortion. We won't. I won't take your call. Not this hour. This hour is about conflict within families. It is not about abortion per se. I'm simply using that because it's in the news. 
if you're pro-life and your child went to Yale and is now a believer that the human fetus is worthless, then you have a real conflict. What can be done about it? What can be done about marital rifts on political issues? You believe that this country is essentially a decent and good place for people of every race. Your spouse believes that this is a cesspool for all non-whites. That's a big problem. There's no way of denying that. So what do you do about it? Well, children and spouse may not be the same issue. Parents are not the same issue as children. So let me give you my overall belief. You do whatever you can to sustain family relationships. I really do believe in that. And it might simply involve not talking about those areas of greatest difference. Ideally, of course, ideally, you could talk about anything. That is the point of friends, and your spouse should be your friend. That is the whole point of it. I can talk to you about anything. That's, if you can't talk to a friend about anything on your mind, then the friendship is not that deep. It's a big, big issue that people need to be honest about. But that's why I I would draw distinctions between family and friends. While it is, I've been blessed that my friends have been my friends as long as they have been my friends. I don't recall any friends that I dropped or dropped me. That is okay compared to family. So, talking about a lot of things. So, I've been reflecting on when does the soul enter the the human being? Is it at conception? Is it sometime later? Is it at birth? And I said it was a theological issue because the word soul is a theological issue. Science has no proof of the soul. But science has proof of the human life. And so, while it is an important question, the soul's entry into the body... It is not a question that is relevant to the abortion issue. And I think an atheist could appreciate that once you have a viable human life, there is no justification for abortion except in the cases of rape, incest, which are less than 1% of the cases. Certainly, the issue of saving the mother's life is now almost moot. Her life is not, women's lives are not being saved by abortions. It can happen on an exceedingly rare basis, but you don't make laws based on something that is as rare as being hit by lightning. Science does not argue for the pro-choice position. There, there is no moral argument for it. I don't know of a moral argument for midterm to late abortions. I, 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 if 
you do, I would love to hear it. And I mean it quite, uh, quite sincerely. Okay. Oh, good. Here's a good challenge. I love challenges. Bloomfield, New Jersey, and Oscar. Hello. Hi, Mr. Prager. Yeah. Uh, I've been listening. I was just uh, a friend of mine told me I should listen to you just to see what exactly you you were about. And I have to seriously say that a lot of your arguments seem to be very strawmanning, especially with this about abortion. Uh, I don't. Be- I have yet to see where women wake up, like all of a sudden saying, I just want an abortion after choosing to carry on with an abortion. I, I didn't follow the last point. I'm so sorry. I said, I said. That I know I what you said. So, so restate it because I didn't understand it. I'm sorry. I don't. Yes. Uh, when you cr- complain about unrestricted abortion, mm-hmm. you're making it seem that it's as if all of a sudden women wake up on the eighth day, on the eighth month, the ninth month, saying, you know what, I'm just going to have an abortion and be done with this. Some do. I don't. Some do. Otherwise, no, why, why did they do, have an abortion? Do you have, do you have, do you wait, have wait, wait. Number, you okay. have numbers. All right. That's a stupid question. Uh, let me ask you an intelligent question. Why does a woman yeah. have an abortion in the eighth month? Because things can happen. Like what? I'm not a medical professional, but well, I do know that. Okay, wait. That you can say happen. things can happen, but you can't imagine what can happen. So what? I don't try to imagine these things because you know why? I am mm-hmm. a man, and I do not have to face oh. these, these troubles. And neither do you. You I have no see. pain. How do you know I'm a man? How do you know I don't identify as a woman? Because you claim to be a man, so therefore mm-hmm. I'm going right. to presume right. you have a penis right. and you have no ovaries. Right. So to you, that's that. Do you think that's determinative on whether someone is a man? You're just doing. Uh, you're just changing the subject. You change the, the subject. Okay. All right. No, I won't not. change the subject. You. 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 The. Uh, you understand what you just said? A man has no right to have a moral view of abortion because he doesn't get pregnant. No, I said you nor I have any special claim because it's not. I don't have a special claim. I have a human claim. Okay, can a woman come in? Okay. Uh, I I don't know. All right, listen. I'm glad you called. uh, I I feel that you've made my point. I'd love to hear moral arguments for late-term or mid-term abortions. The notion that a man cannot have a moral opinion on the issue because he doesn't get pregnant is uh, is painful to hear. It, it, the reduction of the human being that that argument engages in. By the way, it was used. It was somebody wrote in the New York Times about me. I think it was the New York Times, or some some paper. Then Dennis Prager has no right to an opinion on abortion because. He doesn't have a uterus. You have to go to college. I'm not saying my caller did, but one generally has to go to college to think that that poorly. Morality is now based on gender. That's a left-wing position. That's true. Okay. Um, thank you for calling. Uh, Sacramento, California, and Stephen, hello. Hi, Dennis. Hi. 
haven't called you for a while, but uh, man, I just want to tell you, uh, maybe your audience would like to hear an opinion of a convicted felon and how I feel about the Supreme Court decision on the guns. What was your felony? Oh, man. Oh, God. I, uh, road rage. Can I just say that? It was back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I my felony conviction was uh, reduced to misdemeanor dismissed because I got to my probation without any trouble. I didn't get I haven't been in trouble since I was I was a Democrat then. I've uh, woken up. I'm a conservative now. Thanks to you in big part, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, nice. I feel totally different. Uh, no longer a criminal or anything like that. But I want to tell you how I feel about the gun law. I am thrilled because as a convicted felon, I can't own a gun because I follow the law. And if I'm out in public and some thugs start shooting, first of all, I know it's not a law-abiding citizen that's carrying a gun legally because they don't start shootouts. So I know it's a thug shooting. I want somebody near me that's carrying a gun legally that can take this thug out. I, you know, cops don't get there right away. And I want people to carry guns to keep law-abiding mm-hmm. citizens safe. Yeah, well, I have a lot of sympathy for that position. It has come to the point where there are definite risks with concealed carry permits. There's risk to every policy. There's a risk to raising the speed limit. But I think it's a good idea. We'll be back. The Dennis Prager Show. Hello, my friends. Dennis Prager here. It's the open lines. A lot of calls on Roe v. Wade. And I'm taking calls on all sorts of subjects. I still put out this challenge of a moral argument for an abortion on a viable fetus. There, you don't need religion. I'm a big believer in religion as the basis of morality, but you don't need it there. If you believe that a human life should be protected, I don't understand why being in a woman ends that protection, especially given the fact that if she wants the baby, it's considered a human at any age, even before viability. There is no moral argument for abortion on demand. It's killing a child on demand. Let's be honest. Certainly when it is viable. It was painful, and I hate reflecting on previous call because the caller is not here to defend himself, but but there's nothing I can do about it. I shouldn't have an opinion on the matter because I'm a male, Why would a woman have an abortion in the eighth month, I asked. And and, uh, because all sorts of things can happen. So I said, like what? He said, I don't know. I'm not a woman. Hmm. When we don't share the same language of reason and logic, the foundation of society is really at risk. There is one thing we, we rely on. It's like when we drive. We rely on the rationality of other drivers. Otherwise, we wouldn't drive. We assume that 
the that the drivers going in the other direction on a two-lane highway will not veer into our lane and crash into us. And we are virtually always right. So the, the whole notion of driving is dependent upon our assumption that virtually every other driver is rational. That, that is a good analogy to society. Society is sort of traffic. It's, it's on a road. We interrelate. We, we can't have traffic if we don't have a shared rational system. We can't have it on the road. We can't have it on, on life's roadway. It has broken down. The left has broken down the shared language of reason. You're not a man. You can't have an opinion on abortion. Men menstruate. Defund police. We have, we, we have abandoned reason. The problem is guns, not fathers. I told you, I, I, my favorite single question to ask the people who are agitating for more and more confiscation of guns, what do you think would reduce violent crime more? More fathers or more gun laws? Just ask that question. The shared language of reason has been shattered by the left. That's why there's so much hysteria. All these, uh, all these protests, violent and nonviolent, against things that don't exist, like systemic racism in America. A half a year of this stuff. New York Times has come out against blind auditions. The head music critic of the New York Times. We should not have a screen up when we audition musicians for the New York Philharmonic. That's a shattering of reason. You choose musicians based based on color. Hi, everybody. What's on your mind? Our third hour Fridays. Headed next week to Nashville. Be on Mike Huckabee's show. And doing a major event with Daily Wire. Everybody's in Nashville. It's amazing. It's really been a magnet for people who want a good life with liberty. Anyway, I don't know how you have a good life without liberty. So I'll report to you from there. Woodland Hills, California. Bob, hello. Hello, Dennis. I respect you enormously. Thank you. My wife uh, came to me almost exactly a year ago 
and was loading her car, and I asked her where she's going, and she was leaving me because I did not accept CRT. They, what what were her words? Uh, it's scientific truth, and basically, I, I believe lies. And the problem arose because I was privy to my son's history class at our local high school because of the Zoom class thing, and I heard what they were teaching, and they, I've always taught him to be proud of where his family's from and to know his heritage, and they're basically, we're teaching all the white kids that they're trash. And I objected vehemently, and she couldn't handle it, and packed her stuff and left. She, one time we had a police officer drive by our house, and a black man just happened by on the sidewalk, and Leanne, God bless her, said, watch out, you know? He's, he's going to hurt the black man. And I'm just... How long are you, how long are you married? 34 years. God, I would love to hear her side. I'm not saying that you're telling me anything false at all, but I would just like to hear you're leaving your husband after 34 years because he he, he opposes what your our child, your child is being taught in high school. Yeah. Would would she say yes? That's correct. Yes, because she was part of the group that pushed CRT through the local school district. Up until uh, five years ago, how was the marriage? On a downhill slide. I mean... And one suspects. It's hard to to imagine it was good and then this happened. No. Yeah. It it was on a downhill slide. I, I, I met her in a European country on junior year abroad, and I was much more liberal, and she was she was liberal. And I became conservative because I run my own business and am exposed to all the horrible things that the state of California does to us environmentally and with just all the goings-on in my business. And I became more conservative. And she became more and more liberal through mm-hmm. the HR department at the UC campus. And yeah. the Anglican HR departments are very destructive. All right, so let me tell you, this is, yeah. I want everybody to hear this. This is uh, very uh, interesting, and I, for, some of you will certainly know what I'm about to say, and some of you, this will be surprising. I fully agree with the outlook of Bob, and I fully sympathize with his wife. I always sympathize with with the one who didn't change. Not that they're right. I think she's 100% wrong. But I feel for the one whose spouse changed. They were both on the left. Things were fine. He awakened, which is what it entails, intellectually and rationally and morally. And she didn't. But he's the one who changed. It's, this is what we call tragedy. 
no villains. Well, I hope you can prevail in the raising of your child. That will be a challenge. And I thank you for calling. What else can I say? Tom of Alvin. When I say the famous Tom of Alvin, I'm not kidding. Well, I'm I'm, hope, I'm making progress on that. Good, um, good. I wanted to, as first of all, thank you for yesterday's show. It was uh, really nice to get away from the really uh, serious um, things that are going on right now, and especially given today's ruling, I think it was good to take a break from that sort of news. Um, the interview with the hospice woman was great. Uh, uh, my family's had um, some interactions with hospice, and, uh, and I appreciate that. But, uh, my real question was about the interview with the author of the book on Errol Flynn. Uh, it was very interesting, but I kept thinking this should be Alan's interview. That's his area of expertise. Not that you did the, not that you did anything wrong, but I was. Sean tells me you have you have been agitating to get me fired now for at least ten years. <laughs> well, that's not exactly true, but I have been wondering when you're going to take the vacation and let Julie substitute for you. Oh, it's going to happen. It's it's on the books, and it's a great question, and it reminds me to remind all of you this as close to unique human being as I have found. 22-year-old Julie Hartman and I do a podcast each week called Dennis and Julie. Listen to two of them, you will be hooked. You'll probably binge on all of them. We just started five months ago. It's a big deal. Dennis and Julie. It's at the... How do they watch it and how do they listen, Sean? Watch it on YouTube. Just do Dennis and Julie podcast on the Salem... Podcast Network has it in audio. Dennis and Julie. Yesterday I interviewed Robert Florzak on his phenomenal book on Errol Flynn. And uh, that's what Tom and Alvin was referring to. Hi everybody, Dennis Prager here. I can't believe it, I, I just realized the final segment of the final hour of the show of the week. As Sean said, time flies when you're having fun. Let me uh, let me summarize some of your calls. Don't hang up, please. Otherwise, I can't see what you have to, had to say. James in Sarasota, Florida, what is my position on the Soros uh, candidates? I think you know that. Soros is one of the most destructive individuals in the Western world. And I wrote about him about 10 years ago. You should look it up. It's an interesting, uh, an interesting piece I wrote before he was sort of a household name. His, uh, his desire to bring down the West is pathologic, but a serious part of the West has contempt for the West. The West made the best, not because of color. White people made Nazism. Stalin was white. The idea that white is the issue is pathetic. Values are the issue, and Western values are better. David in Los Angeles, 
people who are men on the Supreme Court should not have voted. God, I, I, David, if I had the time, I'd have taken your call, but we just have a minute to go. I don't know what to say. It, the idea that morality is determined by A, by the sex of people, and B, those who were most directly affected. If, if, I, if I don't take drugs, can I have a vote on drug use? I would bet Sean, yes, I would bet Sean, and he's valuable, worth a lot, that David went to college and probably graduate school. And that's not a knock on David, it is a knock on college and graduate school. In uh, Mi- Mi- Michigan, Arco says abortion is never necessary for the life of the mother. That is, that is close to true. That's right. It used to be, but not with modern medicine. Be very interesting to see what happens this weekend. I, I, I don't think there is the level of passion in the public that is held at the New York Times on the abortion issue. We'll see. Have a wonderful weekend. The Dennis Prager Show, live from the Relief Factor Pain-Free Studio. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.